We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. Looks like my uh, Wi-Fi is lagging a little bit, so uh, hopefully we can uh, get that issue under wraps. But my name is Steven. I am your host. Here to talk ball and talk about the Chargers moves and free agency with my guys Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you. I saw you uh, went back and did some tumbling or uh, are preparing to do some tumbling. How was that? Yeah, tomorrow I've, I'll go try out some gymnastics, do some flips, do some handsprings which I have not done for two years since the pandemic started. And I haven't actually done as a gymnast since I was 11. So that's about 15 years ago. So it's going to be, uh, it'll be an experience for sure. If I'm not on the show on Wednesday, it's because <laughs> I died. So uh, nice seeing all of you. Thanks for your comments. Yeah, I, I've been there. Every time I go and play basketball with my friends again, my my knees and my, uh, you know, shoot me in the face. So I, I, I totally get that. <laughs> um, Alex is here as well. Alex. Uh, how are you doing? And uh, Super Bowl champion 99 on the Rams. What's up with that? Yeah, um, Urban Meyer doesn't know who Aaron Donald is. And that's like <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever heard. Just like, I just, I can't imagine Urban Meyer being like, who's that 12 guy on the Buccaneers? He, he seems <laughs> like he's a big deal. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Steven said he he's never been happier to be wrong on someone like Urban Meyer. And I was like, I've never been happier to be right. <laughs> but I didn't think I'd be this right. No, I don't think anybody thought that it would go as poorly as it did. I, I saw somebody responded to that story from The Athletic, and um, he, I guess Urban like walked into practice and didn't know who Davon Hamilton was. And Hamilton played for Urban at Ohio State. And he was like, who's this defensive tackle? Like, I don't know who you are. And it was like, dude, he played for you at Ohio State. You don't know who he is? Come on. Um. Anyways, so we I feel like we've talked enough about Urban Meyer, but it's all good. So uh, we're going to talk about a lot of the free agency moves that the Chargers have made. We'll do some updates on uh, the recent moves, including signing J.K. Scott, uh, which everybody was uh, very happy about, about getting a punter. Um, and, and we'll do some free agency grades today. Obviously, the, the free agency period is still going, still have a couple needs, and, and we'll talk about that as we go. But we'll put a nice little bow on free agency. And of course, we'll uh, start that conversation with our discussion about the Chargers' decision to sign Gerald Everett, the tight end, from the Seattle Seahawks, formerly of the Los Angeles Rams, 
and uh, Everett coming over on a two-year, $12 million deal with uh, upside for more to replace Jared Cook, which I know a lot of people were uh, really skeptical about happening again and potentially him returning, and that was me included, uh, given how the free agency landscape was panning out. So, uh, Alex, we'll start with you. Your uh, first thoughts on the Chargers' decision to sign Gerald Everett. So I got the news a little bit later than everybody else did, but I saw it an hour later on my phone and I was just like, mm, it's Gerald Everett. It's a tight end. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I actually was kind of excited about it. Um, and, and you know, we talked about Jared Cook. I just thought it was untenable of kind of bringing him back with his drop rate uh, and the fact that Jared Cook cannot block um, at this stage in his career. And Gerald Everett is unironically not that i'm saying he's antonio gates but is the best blocking tight end the chargers have had since him uh i mean hunter henry was a pretty like average blocker um and now they don't have to carry four tight ends in a fullback because their first tight end can't block um which was kind of a problem last year you also look at drop rate uh gerald Everett does have some kind of drop issues for his career i think it's 7.4 percent jared cook is 9.8 for his career but Jared Cook was more around like 13% drop rate last year, uh, Everett around 5.9. So you're getting an upgrade there as well. Um, but I mean, ultimately, what everyone's kind of been talking about is the yak. And Jared Cook is 34 years old. Not not quite sure how much those knees work anymore. Um, you know, had a couple yak plays. I guess his big yak play was actually called back on that penalty. Um, but aside from that, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I like that this Gerald Everett signing quite a bit. Um, I think it kind of injects some, you know, fusion of youth into this team. Uh, and I also kind of like that it's a two-year deal too, um, and that they have a lot of flexibility going forward, depending on what they want to do. If they really think Parham can become a tight end one, then, you know, you still have the potential to do that in the future. Uh, if you think that Gerald Everett, you know, might need to be the guy next year, then that's fine. Or if you can go through the draft McKitty, whatever, um, this is kind of a signing that keeps them tied down for now, um, but also, you know, frees up some flexibility and, and roster flexibility as well, since, you know, Gerald Everett can block. Uh, I, I'm really impressed with the signing. I thought it was pretty good value for what it was worth. And they basically got him for the same average annual value cost that they got uh, Jared Cook for last year. So uh, I'm kind of thrilled with this one. Yeah, like Alex, the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. And it was getting a little bit scary at the end there, where it was basically Ferks or Cook or or Everett. And we figured it was going to be Everett or Cook at that point. But yeah, they signed Everett, and I was pretty happy with that. And the more I dug into it, the more I really liked it. I mean, we look at Jared Cook last year, some of the issues the Chargers had on top of the interceptions that Herbert would throw, trying to throw to Jared Cook, was also Cook just not being able to be much of a weapon over the middle. And, and Cook caught... You know, only 58% of his passes over the middle this past season. Gerald Everett, the past two seasons, 86%, 84%. Now, Cook had more volume there, but still the percentage obviously favors Everett in that regard. And I love doing the, going back and looking at the composite rankings to see what kind of value did you get here for Everett. And if you have Uzama right ahead, just one spot ahead of Everett in those per play basis rankings, you know, but he's $2 million more per year. You just go one down further and get Everett. I think that's fantastic. You find someone, the whole point, I think really the focus of their offseason was to find guys that are young-ish enough or have more in the tank, but will be better with this char with the Chargers. And I think tight end, more than any position, maybe outside of wide receiver, has the most room to get better. So if you find someone like Everett, who is just behind Uzama, but even ahead of guys like Kaseki on our rankings, 
and you pair him with Justin Herbert, you take that per play basis. That's that's pretty solid. I think he was seventh on our rankings and you give him just more plays and more volume and that's going to go up. He's he is more likely to outperform his contract than someone like CJ Uzama, in my opinion. So you know, like Alex talked about, you do get a better blocker. You know, Jared Cook was 11th in pass blocking efficiency among the free agent tight ends that we have that were available. You know, Everett was fifth and I don't have any way to quantify um, Everett's run blocking grade, but Cook was, you know, pro football focus run blocking grade 11th. Then Everett, you get seventh. You get, instead of two missed tackles forced from Cook, you get 11 from Gerald Everett. Just everything, you can go down the list of everything and there's just either a small bump or a big jump you get from Everett ahead of Cook. So I'm really happy with this. I think it's a solid deal. I think you get good value of it, from it. To me, like if, if everybody has a my guys in this draft sort of thing, in terms of everything put together, I think this this signing in particular is like my signing. This is like my favorite signing in terms of the value and the potential and what is needed and the upgrade over the replacement, you know, or over the previous person. This is my favorite signing, I think, honestly, in terms of everything taken in. Now, yes, JC Jackson, Khalil Mack, there's going to be much more high end players, but all things considered, I think Everett in terms of value is my favorite signing. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, a bunch of things to hit on here that you guys are, are mentioning. And uh, of course, I have to give a shout out to uh, Tyler's mom in the in the chat with a super chat uh, talking about Tyler's gymnastic ability. Tyler um, Miles out of here. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Tyler's got all those medals from back in the gymnastics heyday. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I believe it. So, um, yeah, lots to hit on there. And I think, you know, that general philosophy that the Chargers have had in this free agency period and and, you know, going back to last year, really, since uh, Brandon Staley has taken over, is that they're they're aiming to find players who are hitting their stride at this specific moment and this specific time to give them kind of that runway to, you know, out hit that value. And I think that's a really smart approach to free agency in general. I think if you look at all these teams who who've used free agency the right way to build up their team. They're not going out and throwing a ton of money at you know, the most expect, most expensive guy. They're not throwing out a ton of money on aging veterans. They're trying to get you know that balance of youth and upside and value. And I think the Chargers have done a really good job in that in general. And I think this signing of Gerald Everett is another indication of that. And so I think if you're looking at the way that the Chargers have kind of used their tight end position uh, last year with the Joe Lombardi offense, I think you have that big slot receiver that they're kind of aiming for you have that kind of receiver slash blocker and then you have your blocker slash receiver and then of course the, the hybrid h-back position so um that's kind of the four roles that I, i've been able to kind of learn about with this with this you know saints based offense and gerald everett obviously comes in and can play that big slot role but like alex mentioned you know i i'm not gonna i don't necessarily think he's like a great blocker but he is a functional blocker which is, you know, a, a big difference with what you had in Jared Cook, who, you know, the times that he did line up in line, it was like shocking when he did actually go and block because he's just not good at it. So I, I think with uh, Gerald Everett now, you can have a lot of flexibility there. He can do uh, perform in the combo block scheme that they like to do uh, along with Donald Parham. What are you guys laughing at right now? No, I laughed at Tyler calling UCI University of Chinese Immigrants. Oh, <laughs> I, have, I have heard that same comment before. I just didn't notice it. Um, but yeah, I, I think with Gerald Everett, you, you have a third functional blocking tight end. 
and you know Alex is talking about not having to keep four like maybe we do see Trey McKitty's role kind of expand a little bit more into that H-back kind of position and they just kind of roll with these three um obviously Gabe Neighbors is on the roster I don't think any of us really expect that for long uh then you have Hunter Campmoyer as well who will challenge for for a, a training camp position but uh, I like this tight end room a lot, man. You get a really good receiving upside in Everett. You get Parham, who we know can be a huge red zone threat, and the McKitty has some of that juice as well. So I think this tight end room is really rounding into shape. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Watching just brief film of Gerald Everett, you could tell that a lot of what the Chargers tried to do last year, sort of similar concepts. You know, I think the Chargers would do more pre-snap motion with the tight ends and then out to the flat, but they'd have Donald Parham block somebody and then you know release to the flat or you know that um what's the freaking thing called they leak oh duh, leak thank yeah. you jeez louise yes you'd have them do something like that and you could see you know uh, not quite the same plays but the same kind of concepts with everett so i could see them doing that you know having having not saying parham is mckitty but parham being like ready to go mckitty and then everett sure. is just parham ready to go and the mckitty is just going to be anderson so i could see that working out for sure and I think this just gives them a lot more versatility as well. You know, I think you're, you look at, you know, uh, Gerald Everett's statue and you see a couple of handoffs, you see a couple of rushing touchdowns. And, you know, he was kind of the Rams end around guy that they would use on occasion. So I, I think this is generally a really good signing. And I think maybe my, my favorite thing is, is something that Tyler pointed out on Twitter yesterday. It's just like the mentality that Everett plays with. I think what the biggest issue with Jared Cook is just kind of the lapses in his mentality and just like the not the lack of a consistent effort and motor. And at least from what I can see from, you know, Tyler sharing this on Twitter is that that's not really an issue with Everett. I think he's going to give his, you know, every single inch that he can to try and get yards and, and get yards after catch and be able to be that consistent guy, a consistent chain mover. So um, I, I think that's a, something I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah, and I think also uh, Gerald Everett has experience not giving up on routes because Russell Wilson <laughs> will make you not give up on routes because he'll make you run for 15 seconds straight uh, with how he plays. <laughs> so uh, I don't think we'll have to question any of those uh, motor issues or, or giving up on route issues here uh, with Gerald Everett. But no, like Tyler said, I, I kind of thought of the signing as meh just because maybe we expected it. But the more I thought about it based on value, um, it, I don't know if I call it my favorite signing of free agency. I think J.C. Jackson ranks slightly higher, um, but it, it, it's one of the top tier ones based on you know what the Chargers could get at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And just watching, I know people, as soon as you know Joe Dover was signed, everyone went to YouTube, downloaded the YouTube highlight <laughs> video, then posted it on Twitter like it was their own or something. Um, but everyone was talking about how this guy runs mean and he runs angry. I'm like, okay, that's the highlights. But going through, like he unnecessarily even potentially lowers his shoulder to try to drive past guys, even going out of bounds. He really is just a physical presence that the Chargers just didn't have in Jared Cook last season. So I can't wait to see him pair with the Chargers. He can catch the ball. He fights for more yards. He fights through the entire play. I think it's a perfect signing. Yeah. And, you know, I keep going back to that comment from Brandon Staley at the combine where he, you know, was saying that he wants more speed on the offense, that he wants to be able to kind of open things up vertically. And I think uh, this is a really good way of doing it. not to say that Jared Cook wasn't fast or anything. I think that was kind of his his specialty was kind of working the seams and stretching the field that way. But I think with Gerald Everett and his speed, you can work the field in different ways. You know, I mentioned the end around thing. And I think this just gives the Chargers that little bit of a boost that they didn't necessarily have last year. And I'm not going to go as far as to say like this, you know, transforms the the tight end room or transforms the off the offense or anything like that. 
but I think it's a really good signing. And I think this does, you know, kind of elevate them at least to, to an extent. Yeah. One of the things they were talking about, even with Josh Palmer running the league is you want a guy out there who can block or can do this, but maybe sneak something else in there. And Gerald Everett, his story is amazing. He, he started as the three-year basketball player in high school. And then I think he switched to another school and then they didn't have room for him on the basketball team. So like, I don't know, do you want this guy to play football? And he ended up playing wide receiver, you know, and then for one year and then went to college and obviously was drafted very highly and did you know, obviously made a career for himself. But the wide receiver tendencies are there. They're just some things that he does where you can get him to you know, run routes very well to fool defenses. But then, yeah, also play a tight end and then, yeah, also blocks so where you can do a lot more with him. You can fool the defense a lot more than you can with Jared Cook. Sorry, uh, I stopped listening after you said he played basketball in high school. I was sold after that. He, if he played basketball, <laughs> he's good. That's the Chargers uh, stamp of approval right there. The, the real question is if he played basketball at the University of South Alabama. You know, that, that's the real test. for, uh, for a mm, Might be a tiebreaker. <laughs> no, but I, I do think this is a really good signing. And I think, um, you know, we were all really excited about Donald Parham and Trey McKitty and, and, and their developments. But I think the way that the Chargers have kind of acted this offseason is that they really wanted that veteran tight end presence in front of those two players. And, you know, as much as we do like Parham, like they did place a tender on him. They didn't do an extension. And I think if they really believed that he was, a true tight end one at this point, then they would have given him an extension. Um, so this kind of accomplishes a lot of different things. And, and I think really, you know, this could, this probably was their target from all along, given the connection to the coaching staff and given the the scheme familiarity and, and really just kind of the, the overall fit for this player. Yeah, I agree. I think we can certainly add the Rams to the bears and the Broncos as that pipeline for this team, sort of the Packers, but I feel like that's an old regime thing. Um, so what do you what, do? We don't have the contract details for him, right? We don't know if there's like an out in 2023 or whatever. No, no, nothing specific yet. Yeah, we just have the the total contract numbers. Uh, I imagine we get like the specific cap hits and things like that. Um, you know, probably down the road. But given their given their pass, I would imagine there's at least some kind of out next year. You know, it being a two year deal, maybe they they save kind of like two three million dollars or something if they cut him. It's so interesting because you have Parham. What's the rules on tenders? So he got tendered this year, obviously. Can you do that again next year? Uh, no, I think it's next just year once. he would have. No, I, well, because he has to have three accurate seasons or something. So 2020 would have been his first. 2021 would have been his second. Then 2022 would be his third. So I think then he would be an unrestricted free agent next year. Not totally sure on that, though. Okay. Yeah, and I was just trying to figure out like how he how Parham's develop kind of ties in with Gerald Everett. Like you kind of might have a one, a one B you can keep both. Obviously. I'm just curious, you know, if you have an out here, what do they do with Parham? If they can't tender him, what do they do the next year? But story for another time. Yeah. I mean, I was going to look it up, but you know, being slow right now. I um, do. I think it is the three accurate seasons thing. And then he's unrestricted, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, that is an interesting thing. You know, we've I've kind of been talking with some people on social media about kind of like the next year's cap situation. And obviously, you know, we're just barely getting started on this season, but it is something to keep in mind. And I think, you know, if Donald Parham kind of reaches his ceiling and of course, you know, the concussion taking away three games, four games, basically four because because he got hurt on like the third play of the game. Um, you know, he was on pace for like 270 yards and five or six touchdowns. 
So next year, you know, if he gets 406 touchdowns or something like that, you know, I kind of have to think that he would need to be back and then, you know, be that long-term option with Trey McKitty going forward. Yeah, I can see that for sure. All right. Well, uh, it's time to talk about punters because the uh, Chargers have signed J.K. Scott, formerly of the University of Alabama, Green Bay Packers, and last year Jacksonville Jaguars. So, uh, you know, we were messaging back and forth about this and kind of what it means for the Chargers and and really, is it an upgrade? Is it a long-term solution? And um, I think the the one thing for certain right now, in my opinion, is that this you know ensures that Ty Long is not going to be returning. Of course, they did not tender him; uh, they elected not to do that. So, signing J.K. Scott makes a lot of sense from a connection standpoint. Obviously, Ryan Ficken got to watch him for three years within the division. Um, and this is this is I, I, I had to laugh at how Tyler pointed this out because this feels like you know, upgrading from Storm Norton to like Billy Turner of the punter version. I think, you know, they just get a functional, capable punter. And, and you know, I think hang time is really the key here. He was number two uh, in 2019 and number one in 2020, in 2020, excuse me, uh, in terms of hang time. You know, the PFF grade is really good. I don't know if he's necessarily a big upgrade over Ty Long, but I think that really is just kind of they're looking for a functional punter maybe get some competition down the road but uh, I, th- I think this is a fine signing depending on on kind of what it costs yet we haven't really seen that um but it is definitely something worth talking about i would certainly love to not reset the punter market with this guy <laughs> like we did with harris but um, yeah. yeah like i said it's an upgrade it seems to be some sort of upgrade you know i talked to mike kawana who was on the show before talking about packers free agents and he said you know some of the struggles were sort of weather based so the chargers playing in sofi is is fantastic maybe of kansas city be a problem or or you know the bills or whatever but for the most part i think you're okay there so they have a body i think the whole point about not having to take ariza in the fourth round like half of our feed wants to is fantastic <laughs> i again I, w- I would have maybe reached in the fifth round but to me that was a sixth round thing all the way and maybe it still could be but at least i, I hope this at least puts that to bed uh for now I say that saying I hope it's going to happen, but I know it doesn't matter. Everyone in the chat is going to be talking about Ariza in the fourth, fifth, whatever. Um, but look, there's a body, and it seems to be an upgrade over Ty Long. I believe in the EPA, you know, punter, however the hell they calculate that. He was a few spots up from the, where the Chargers were, so I'll take it. Yeah, um, I, I don't have too many reactions other than he seems okay. Um, and is kind of an upgrade over Ty Long, but also not really. Also... Hang time doesn't necessarily matter if we don't have good special teams tackling. So uh, less Devontae right. Harris special teams tackles out there, please. Uh, hopefully Ryan Ficken gets that situated. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, conspiracy theory. Does Brandon Staley only want subpar punters so then he can justify going for it and forth <laughs> down every time? Because that's kind of what this signing reeks of. Uh, but no, I mean, I-, I think he'll be okay. And I probably don't think they're done adding, you know, training camp competition uh like in general i wouldn't be surprised if they go get uh probably not a riser but someone who's like an undrafted free agent uh coming sure. out of the draft um there's always the possibility in theory they could re-sign ty long to like some kind of training camp deal uh lachlan edwards exists i don't know whatever they want to do in punter market uh but yeah uh it seems like ficken's kind of clean in house outside you know with everyone outside of um hopkins so uh, i don't think those things will happen but 
Uh, J.K. Scott seems okay. Uh, bring in competition for him. See how it shakes out in the preseason, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't think signing J.K. Scott precludes, precludes them from, you know, drafting a punter necessarily or, or taking an undrafted free agent swing. Um, you know, I, I still think that's possible. I mean, they have three seventh round picks or whatever it is. Um, so they can afford to use one of those on a punter and bring in some competition. But uh, like Tyler, I do think this definitely takes the, the chance of Matt Ariza in the fourth round off the table, which most likely was, was not going to happen anyway. Uh, using a fourth round pick on a punter is not really something that uh, this team can afford to do with all of the depth questions that are on this roster. They don't have a second round pick. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on the same page. Hopefully this doesn't, uh, it kind of discourages that uh, comment in our chat these days. It won't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a slight upgrade, serviceable punter, and I think that's fine for now. You know, I, I do. They'll add competition. They'll add a second body. Just a matter of uh, when. Um, so, a couple super chats in here. We'll uh, get to some of those right now. Um, you know, kind of leading into the next question here from uh, Adrian and our next topic. Uh, assuming we bring back O'Day and sign our RT in free agency, what would you all feel most comfortable doing in first round, trading back into late first or maybe even second round or wide receiver, DT, CB, or edge at 17? Wide um, receiver. Mm, I feel like being contrarian. So aside from <laughs> trading back, like I would want to trade back, get something. There are options there for the Chargers to trade back. Sure. If I had to sit at 17, it would definitely depend on who's there. But I really feel like if there's an edge there, I would love to go that route because I just it's so barren behind the Chargers. Like you can the Chargers still did have a good offense with Jalen Guyton as wide receiver three, not really because of Jalen Guyton, but they can make sure. it work. I think going from, you know, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, who are great as your starters, they'll, they'll ro- if the drive is 12 plays long, they'll rotate out on that first drive and they won't be there on the second drive. That's just how Brandon Staley did it last year. And so your next group to be MK Egbule, who dated my sister, and, and Chris <laughs> Rumpf, like, you know, like I don't really see <laughs> he sucks, you know. Um, <laughs> you say that like it's a negative. <laughs> it is a negative. Um, oh I just like that's not a good rotation. I don't want them to experiment with Kenneth Murray as edge right. three. You know, it's it's will edge three see the field a lot? Maybe not, but I'd rather them you know have an edge three that's legitimate and honestly i don't want to say it's a when mac or bosa get hurt versus if but it kind of feels like there's going to be a game or two where that bosa misses that mac misses you gotta have a better edge three back there than whatever's out there in free agency right now or whoever you take in the third round or chris rumpf i believe in chris rumpf in year three the idea of taking a like i'm sorry but one of the least productive rookie edge rushers in the league last year yeah. And making him your starting edge, you know, starting edge three. You know, you bring Joey Bosa in, and it's, and it's Chris Rumpf on the outside. I, I just don't know if I buy into that right now. They need to find an edge three. So that's my long winded way of saying that um, edge three. But now we're down Ojabo, so who knows who's going to be there? Well, that's kind of the wild card, man. Like we were talking about, kind of long shot scenarios on Saturday during our Q and A, and like if you're sitting there at seventeen and you're staring down, you know, taking a guard. Or taking, you know, Devontae Wyatt and David Ojabo is there. Like, I think that could be a scenario worth exploring. I mean, obviously, I, I'm on the same page. I want a reliable edge three. You know, I was kind of 
talking myself into Kyler Fackrell returning today. And then, of course, the bastard had to go sign with the Raiders and continue the former Chargers pipeline over there. Um, you know, shout out to Kyler. Love him. But um, I do want a reliable edge three. But, like, if a Jabo is there at 17 and you can, you know, you have an environment with Mac and Bosa where you can kind of take a chance on that guy, I think. Um, just kind of depends who's there, obviously. But like, you know, my thing right lately has been like, okay, if Jamison Williams is off the board, then where are you pivoting? And I think my ideal scenario is trading back in that instance. But obviously, that depends on who's there, what quarterbacks are there, or whatever. But if you're sitting there at 17 with David Ojabo on the board, and it seems like he's going to be there, I think that really is a scenario worth kind of exploring and taking a chance on. I know he tore his Achilles. I know that's you know long term injury. But the upside of Ojabo at 17 versus, you know, whatever else is there, I, I think I would still lean Ojabo in that instance. Yeah, I definitely like that call. What is Ojabo's outlook at this point, though, like for the season? So, you know, traditionally, I know Cam Akers had, you know, the six month recovery <laughs> from his Achilles, which was yeah just kind of a freak accident. I think generally speaking, you're looking at like eight months minimum, you know, so he, he tears his Achilles. In March, that would put him potentially back on the field in December for the stretch run, maybe. So again, you'd still have to make another move at edge to kind of, you know, find another player somewhere. But again, like if you're asking me to draft David Ojabo or, you know, Zion Johnson, the offensive guard or, you know, Bernard Raymond, like I think I would rather have Ojabo at that point. Yeah. I don't see them taking an edge at 17. Um, I, I think that because they carry forward and because they have Bosa and Mack, um, I think that they're going to get some vigil or fackerel kind of signing. I brought up Carl Nassib today, and that would fit the white, you know, uh, traditional edge three that they would kind of need there. I don't know. Um, Tack McKinley is available. He tore his Achilles, though, as Stephen yeah. told me today. I had no idea he did. Uh, yeah. So kind of in the same basket, uh, kind of the same problem there. But, um, yeah, I, I think it would be tough to pass on a Jabo, but if he's not going to be back to November and December and you kind of need players now, I think that's kind of a tough sell for me, unfortunately. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I would probably go with wide receiver or they could still go cornerback, um, which yeah. I, I don't think JC Jackson takes that off the board completely, given the future of Michael Davis is pretty uncertain at this point um you know in terms of the long term so i would probably say wide receiver cornerback i get the edge thing i just think they're probably going to go with someone that's more rotational if the mac trade hadn't happened and you know and wosu was back yeah, sure. i think that would probably be the more edge at 17 spot yeah absolutely agree and we'll, we'll cover all of those different scenarios once we get closer to the draft uh zach pearson with another uh super chat question been a fan of the show since day one. Thank you for that. And he says, thank you for the nonstop content. Do you guys have a second favorite NFL team or a player you wish the Chargers had? I know Tyler loves Cox. That's actually Alex. Alex loves Fletcher Cox. Um, I do not I like, have a I second. Like, I like Fletch. Yeah, he likes Fletch. Uh, Alex likes the Eagles as well, growing up in Philadelphia. And then Tyler and I just have the, the one team. We just have the one Chargers. Do I... I feel like I, I partially root for the Raiders as well. Raiders. Only, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm a closet Raiders fan. No, I support my father's team when they're on go. and not playing the Chargers. So, yes, I do go. root for them, but when it's appropriate. 
when it's appropriate only. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, that scenario, obviously, you know, talking about right tackle leads us into the next topic that we're going to cover today. Uh, and this was one that Daniel Popper uh, brought up, which was the possibility of the Chargers kicking Matt Filer, the left guard that they signed last year, over to right tackle, kind of stabilize that position. Uh, it is something that the Chargers have kind of highlighted in terms of his flexibility uh, and, you know, that uh, past resume that he has from the Pittsburgh Steelers days of playing tackle and guard. Um, you know, obviously the Chargers have a big need right now. There still are some quality veterans, I feel like, out there. Uh, cough, Billy Turner, cough. Um, but uh, I think this is a scenario we're talking about because, you know, the Chargers have talked about it themselves, you know, moving Matt Filer over to the right tackle position. Uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts here about potentially moving Matt Filer to the right tackle? Uh, we talked about, I think, the last episode or episode prior about, hey, we have a new set of offensive line coaches or one offensive line coach that me and one, I can't remember his name. And so, you know, potentially, you know, there are things that could happen that didn't happen last year. Hymas, again, starting. Hymas, I doubt he'd play right tackle. But Filer also moving to right tackle. And last year it was, that's our backup emergency option, but it's not going to be our main option. But this year, that could change. And to me, you know, putting someone you've developed, like Hymas at guard or taking a guard at, at 17 and putting Filer at right tackle, I think does make a lot of sense. I would trust Filer out there over, you know, Raymond, over, over Penning at this point. I'm curious, though, when he signed with the Chargers last year, he signed as a guard. And I don't know, like, did the did the NFL and the market just assume that he was a guard? Do they view him better as a guard? Because I'm sure if he could get starting right tackle money elsewhere, he probably would have. But he played left guard for the Chargers and was signed to play left guard for the Chargers and was not their priority option to play right tackle. So I just feel like if the league kind of hinted that that's how they feel about him and the Chargers paid him and are paying him to play left guard, I still think they're going to keep him there. So my my preferred option at 17, outside of the you know the free agents, obviously, I think I'd rather go with like a Kenyon Green or something like that. Try him at right tackle, kick him to right guard if Odebushi leaves the following year and whatnot. Um, I just, as much as I think Filer to right tackle does make some sense, I get the arguments for keeping him at left guard, and there are some strong arguments for it, and I do think that's what they end up doing. Yeah. Um, just to clarify here, Tyler is 100% a Chargers fan. He is a season ticket holder for the Chargers. His dad just happens to be a Raiders fan. So uh, Tyler spends thousands and thousands of dollars being a Chargers season ticket holder and has been the case for, what, 10 years now? So, uh, yeah, Tyler's a Chargers fan through and through. Uh, okay, uh, but please redirect your angry drunk rants to him instead of me this time. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, uh, that's I'll take that for one day. Uh, as far as Filer at right tackle, I think they could do it i mean in theory it makes sense if you're gonna bring a bushy back um and and kind of like filter around with the offensive line there i do kind of think the fact that they signed him to play guard for three years like kind of yeah i mean there were, i don't know if there would need to be a renegotiation on his contract necessarily but this isn't what he signed up for right to, to play right tackle um so i think it's probably more likely at this point um that they probably sign like a, you know, free agent that can kind of stabilize the group. I still think that's going to happen. Um, whether that's Billy Turner or like a high end free agent per se, or high end of what's left. Uh, I, I don't think that that, you know, that could range, but, 
I, I still think they'll probably get a guy for right tackle. If they don't, I mean, I think that increases the likelihood Filer would go to right tackle, but I, I still think there's some problems there. Um, I don't think they'll wait till the draft, though, because that would be that would be kind of a nightmare with Storm Norton still being penciled in as the right tackle until then, which would put a yeah. lot of pressure on the Chargers. We'll, we'll talk about Storm Norton a little bit later as Tyler will go off on him. But uh, no, I I think in theory it sounds good. And the way that, you know, someone like Daniel Popper explained it on Twitter, like it all makes sense. I just don't know if it makes financial sense for Matt Filer, uh, which is yeah. kind of why I don't think it would happen. Um, could go that way, but I, I think it's probably more likely that they get someone like an Ibushi back to to play right guard uh, and then still get like a depth, you know, right tackle option who's an upgrade over Gordon. Yeah. Quick shout out to uh, Adrian doing another super chat. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah. I think the money, like, money talks right like money is is telling us what these teams think of these players and so you give a three-year 20 million dollar contract to matt filer that's good you know middle tier guard money that's barely more money than penesu makes as a rookie right tackle so if they really viewed him as a right tackle like if there was any chance in their mind that matt filer was going to come in here and play right tackle after brian bulaga leaves then I feel like they would have had to kick up that contract uh, at least like three or four million dollars, get into 10. Um, and that just obviously didn't happen. So um, I do believe that if they were to kick him to right tackle, they would have to rework his contract. It doesn't make any sense for Matt Filer to move over to right tackle, making guard money. So, you know, that that's a dicey contract situation. I, I do think, you know, from Filer's perspective, and kind of what the numbers say that the the pressures and the pass blocking efficiency from his right tackle days in Pittsburgh and his left guard days in Pittsburgh are nearly identical. And, you know, frankly, it's the same kind of thing with his left guard play from last year, but the biggest difference from his performance with the chargers and his performances with the Steelers is that he really improved as a run blocker last season and set a career high in run blocking grade. I know that that's not necessarily the end all be all in terms of evaluation, but you know, you're sitting here watching him at tape and him and Corey Lindsley and Rashawn Slater just have such a good chemistry between the three of them. And you really see that on film. You really see that in those combo blocks and in their, their scoop blocks and everything like that. So I think I, from a financial perspective, it doesn't really make sense for Matt Filer. And I, I, I'm not into the whole idea of like swapping players around to solve, to plug one hole but also creating another hole while doing it. So, you know, could Matt Filer stabilize the right tackle position? Yeah, sure. I, I think he's would definitely an upgrade over Storm Norton. He's probably in that same kind of tackle range as the players who are on the market. But then you have questions at both guard spots instead of just the right tackle and right guard. So I, I think it's just creates more questions for me, and I can't really see the Chargers being into that idea just based off of, how they operated last year. Like if they could have put Matt Filer ever at right tackle several times throughout last mm -hmm. season and they never did. And they always cited like, we don't want to create more holes by trying to plug one other hole. So I, I just, I can't really see this happening. It's a fun scenario. And I think Matt Filer can do it in a pinch, uh, but I'm not necessarily going into this off season with Matt Filer being my right tackle as like my plan a here. Yeah. I mean, and that's another thing. If they didn't do it last year when Storm Norton was getting 
gashed by Crosby and Parsons, why would they do it now when Storm Norton's going to do the same thing? Right. So, like, I, I just don't think there's added extra motivation for them if they didn't do it this year or last year, I should say. I don't think they would do it this year either. Yeah, I agree. And again, Brendan Hymas could be great, but we saw Matt Fire leave for one game and it was a disaster that ruined the Denver game for, for Justin Herbert. And I guess in theory, you'd probably rather have a stronger interior than tackles. And that's not how quite how it works, but I'd rather kind of, you know, sacrifice right tackle or at least just get an average guy there than, you know, guess at left guard. And then it turns out to be a, a huge problem. As far as his contract goes, like, what do you think he would be as, as if he hit the free agency market with Lyle Collins and Morgan Moses? Would he be what, right? Tackle two, three, maybe? Just looking at the contracts because Morgan Moses did sign for 5 million APY and, and Collins for somehow, what, only 10 APY. So him being at seven and switching over to right tackle, I, I do think he should have been paid more. But based on this right tackle market, like none of these guys are really getting paid all that much. So I think the money could kind of work out if they want to look at it that way. Yeah. I think Collins is the Collins thing makes no sense to me. Right. Cause you know, there's a $7 million gap between him and the next highest paid tackle. And I'd rather have Lyle Collins than Taylor Moten, man. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't know if, if that was just him, you know, only having eyes for Cincinnati. Um, is Alex still frozen for you? Alex, are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. I don't know if I'm frozen, but uh, I hope you you can hear my voice. Okay, I got your voice, but uh, your screen is frozen. So, um, yeah, the Lyle Collins thing is interesting to me because from a financial standpoint, oh, Alex is not frozen anymore. All right, cool. Um, from a financial standpoint, Lyle Collins signing for the exact same amount makes no sense to me at all. So I'm curious to know kind of what happens there. Um, I, I would think that Filer would make more money than Morgan Moses purely just based off of age and based off of recent tape. And, you know, Alec, uh, Morgan Moses did kind of play a stable amount of games, but I don't think he was necessarily like a good tackle. I think he was a fine serviceable tackle. So I, I would happen. I would think that Filer probably would sign for more in like the $9 million range if he does get kicked to right tackle at this point. But uh, I could be off base there. I think he's at seven per year right now. So not, yeah. not too far. If it would be between Collins and Moses, which is okay. But yeah, I could see him being bumped up a little bit more. He's got two years left on his deal, right? So yeah. I don't know if an extension would really be in the works. But again, I don't think this is going to happen. But just trying to look at the money. Someone said, yeah. Sands heavy. Uh, get out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of a player who is coming off a torn Achilles. <laughs> apparently yeah, that's the theme I, for the day <laughs> yeah i don't know why we're still doing that with the achilles and acls but try to stay away from them yeah so uh, you know obviously this does you know lead to like what you know we've talked a bunch about the solutions here and um, i know there's still a lot of people who are like oh they're just gonna run it back with storm norton right i, I i'd be shocked if storm norton were the starting right tackle next year it might be trey pipkins but i'm pretty positive that it's not going to be storm norton uh, I, I think you can look at again. The money always tells us what these players, what these teams think of these players. And you know, Joe Noteboom obviously had you know similar uh, circumstances. At least I think he's better, and I think he showed better. But you know, if there was any doubt in the Rams' mind that Noteboom was not a starter, they would have given him a small deal, one-year deal, or something like that. And they gave him a three-year, forty million-dollar contract. You know, Storm Norton 
signs for the tender, which pays him less than a million dollars. If there was any chance that the Chargers thought that Storm Norton was a starting caliber tackle, he's not signing for less than a million dollars. So, uh, again, yeah, I would be pretty shocked if Storm Norton were starting on day one next year for the Chargers. Yeah, um, look, I, I just we talked about the most hyped games last season, and we were talking about like, oh, there could be a Sunday night football between the Chargers and the Raiders. Does Tom Telesco want it on his conscience of the abuse that man could take week one Sunday night football Crosby versus Norton? I don't think he does. I don't think he's a masochist quite in that way. Uh, so, you know, I you just you can't go into the season with that. If he's your second or third tackle, fine. Um, but no, I, I, he cannot be the starting right tackle. I totally don't think it'll happen, but I've watched Philip Rivers in week one have Trent Scott, <laughs> Sam Tevy, Michael Schofield, Dan Feeney, and some left. Oh, I think it was Mike Pouncey at center uh, for about four games block with yeah. him. So I don't think it'll happen with this regime. I don't think Staley will allow it. With that said, they allowed it for 17 games last season <laughs> as oh, well. Gosh. And they were completely fine with that. So... No. I don't think they'll do it again. You know, they did again. They let Chris Harris Jr. have the whole year took care of that. Like the cook cook have the whole year took care of that. So I do think they are, they can move on. I think they will. I'm manifesting I just, it. I, I, I just give got PTSD hearing thing. the name yeah. Trent Scott like that. Uh. That was great. That was awesome. I, I really loved that era of, of Rivers. <laughs> career. <laughs> I uh yeah I had a, I had a great time going through both pro football focus today <laughs> going through the 2017 18 19 <laughs> offensive tackle play for the Chargers it was just so much fun after you know Joe Barksdale gets injured what kind of happened to that freaking right tackle position for the team so uh mm-hmm. it was great I, I I again I think at the very minimum very very minimum it would be Trey Pipkins over Storm mm-hmm. Norton I, I would be shocked if Storm Norton were the starting tackle next year. Yeah, I think it is Trey Pipkins, and if you well, sorry, I think it could be Trey Pipkins, and certainly over Storm Norton. I I don't know. I I really don't know. I, I if you this would be something really scary to bet on. Is how I feel about this whole situation. Yeah. Like, would Trey Pipkins be the right tackle? No, but I I would really have a hard time betting on that. Yeah, I, I think that's the other thing too. Is like we we know that Tom Telesco likes Trey Pipkins, right? Like we know that. But we don't really know that Brandon Staley believes in Trey Pipkins either because, I mean, he loses his job to Storm Norton to start as swing tackle, right? Mm-hmm. He starts out the season as the jumbo package tackle. Then he loses that job. <laughs> and then he starts two games, right? And, like, it, you know, he plays well in those two games. He does. He improves. He shows improvement. But even then, he didn't go back to being the jumbo package offensive lineman. Like, he still had that mm-hmm. job lost. So I don't think we know that Brandon Staley believes in Trey Pipkin's ability to be a tackle either. Like, I'd be pretty surprised, again, if either of these two players are uh, starting, you know, next year for this team at right tackle. To me, as James points out, I think Billy Turner is is kind of the best option at this point. Um, I didn't know this, but he was top 10 in – I didn't know this until today. He was top 10 in ESPN's pass block win rate each of the last two seasons for the Packers and only allowed 64 total pressures over the last two seasons for them. So uh, contrast that to the 125 combined pressures from the Chargers right tackles over the last two years. So that was do, a do fun we, do we still Do we still have that whole uh, underdog fantasy thing? Are we still doing that? <laughs> or, yeah, the underdog gambling? So if we are still doing that, I have an idea. 
if if Tyler's disaster scenario comes true and Storm Norton is the right tackle starting week one, we should hedge it, put like a hundred bucks on it, and just in case it happens, we win. But <laughs> we would lose the game. But right. I think that we, we should put something on it just so we don't get our spirits too depressed. No, what I would do is if we had $100 still to bet on that, and if Norton became the starting right tackle, I'd wait for the Raiders game and smash <laughs> the shit out of the over on Max Crosby's pressures. Oh, that's, that would be the way to go about it. Yeah. Someone in the chat said that Billy Turner is in LA today. Is that accurate? I have no I, idea. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, they could certainly attack things in the draft, but just based off of what we're hearing, that doesn't really sound like a viable solution, barring a trade up. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss those options down the road, but again, um, any truth to the chargers being interested in Sony, Michelle, yeah, you guys seen anything about that? Go ahead and guess it's an NFL rumors thing. Um, NFL rums or pro football network has to be, has to be that one. But John, yeah, if you do have a link to where that would be posted or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, we uh, we'll we'll talk about that. Obviously, I think we're in favor of them adding a running back. So, um, all right, let's wrap the show up today. We'll talk about some free agency grades. Obviously, the Chargers have uh, signed several free agents, and we can include uh, Khalil Mack in here as well. Um, and let's start with uh, let's start with Khalil Mack. What kind of? I only trust NFL rumors and ball sack sports. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's start with Khalil Mack. Tyler, what kind of grade are you giving the Chargers for the trade for Khalil Mack after having, you know, 10 days or so to uh, sit on it? Yeah. Uh, OK, because there are some question marks, I can't give it an A. I'm going to give it a B plus, which sounds mean. I, I, I think this has the potential for the highest possible ceiling uh, for any of these acquisitions. I think he already can just become a top three edge rusher again and that would be amazing but you know they did give up a second round pick they are upgrading over a player in Moser that i did like you know it's not like they're they got vita vea for a second and that's a significant upgrade over jerry tillery you know i think it was solid so but they did upgrade over mac um, or over in mosu and max a fantastic player um but you know you lose that second round pick there are some injury concerns the cap hit over the next two years is like what 27 million dollars yeah. or whatever so and unfortunately there's not it's not all sunshine and rainbows love the player i think he'll be absolutely fantastic but because they did lose on draft capital which is the nature of, of a trade duh but you know it's a, it's a very expensive move for sure it's a bit risky considering the injuries again i think this is the most potential to be an a plus 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 thing when we look back at this but considering just some of the question marks i give it a b plus i think that's totally fair and you know i i do agree with kind of the b plus range and I think it would be kind of in that A minus range for me if they didn't restructure him. Like I know that they uh, freed up some cap space and they're going to need that. But, you know, taking him from a $17 million cap at next year to 27 over the next two years, I think that just it was a little puzzling for me. And so um, I'm a big believer in what Cleo Mack is going to bring to this team. You know, I think I've said several times his run defense is a very underrated aspect of this trade and what he's able to do for this team in that regard, be that tone setter. But I'm a little confused, I guess, by kind of the, why you restructure him and not Joey Bosa or not Keenan Allen, who probably have a higher chance of, you know, playing out their current contracts. But 
Um, you know, I, I think there is some health risk as well with Khalil Mack. I'm not going to say like a ton, but frankly, Joey Bosa has a higher risk of getting injured, I think, than Khalil Mack does. Um, but I think the upside here is ridiculously high. And I think at minimum, the Chargers are getting a very, very, very good player that obviously they are familiar with. So I'm, I, I agree. I'll give it a B plus. I'll go a minus. Um, I mean, I always thought that the edge, you know, I, I would have liked Uchenna and Wosu to be back, but I also just always felt like they needed more and they ended up getting more. Maybe that was going to be another player in free agency. They could have taken a run at Von Miller or something like that at some point, but they decided before free agency even started, we're going to go get our guy. Um, and to be honest, like a year ago, prior to his injury, I don't think anyone would have balked at trading a first round pick for Khalil Mack, like to be honest, you know, so uh, I get it. It's a second and a sixth. The second is is particularly difficult to give up. Um, But at the same time, they keep their first round pick and get a guy that can rebound pretty quickly into being a top five edge rusher. Um, And so for me, I the restructure thing I do get, which is probably why it's more of an A minus than an A for me, um, sure. given his cap hit in later years and and just the fact that he's getting up there in age. But for me, the upgrade over in Wosu, the fact that Joey Bosa cannot be you know quadruple teamed anymore, uh, yeah. like I think all that stuff's great. And you know, of course, now they do. We'll talk about Sebastian Joseph Day and, and Austin Johnson and these free agent grids, but they're now kind of beefing up that interior too and Jerry Tillery. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think just having Bosa Mac, that kind of reinvigorated interior, um, and all that kind of kicked off with the Mac move. So for me, I go a minus, I get why someone go, you know, the, the, uh, tough Asian grading scale with the B plus. Uh, but I do think that it was a good move. No, definitely a great move. I think this checks a lot of boxes there. So, um, you know, we'll move on to JC Jackson, obviously signing a five year, um what was the final number wasn't it like 85 five year 85 i know it's 16 and a half per year i forget the final number i would say 82 and a half it's 82 and a half yeah 82 and a half all right there we go nice so um obviously i you know the the chargers had a huge need at corner so and they get you know 16 and a half for jc jackson is a freaking steal he's got an eight million dollar cap it this season so i'm gonna give this an a minus i i do have some questions again just kind of how why I guess Bill Belichick is letting a player like this leave. I know that's kind of silly of me to to say at this point, but it is just something that kind of lingers in the back of my head. So um, the Chargers get a, a great player, very productive player. I think this is very close to a home run, especially getting at that 16.5 APY. So I'm going to give the JC Jackson signing an A-. minus. I'm going to go with an A here. Very happy with this one. Mostly the contract really does sell in the end. You know, we hear talks of 20 to 22. And even though Arjun and, and Brad Spielberger, who are just on the money with their cap predictions or their contract predictions, even they were thinking 18, you know, nothing lower than 18. So 16 and a half for arguably the biggest name on the entire free agent market and, and certainly the biggest corner name. And to be able to not just replace, you know, I guess Michael Davis is CB1. But Chris Harris Jr. as your slot corner with Asante Samuel Jr. and how he affects everything, you know, the interceptions to allow more for the offense, more opportunities for the offense, just being a better corner to allow them to get off the field on third down. I just think it's such a great move and the contract is fantastic. And I just love that the Chargers did something, even like with the Mac trade, just did something a little bit different. You know, they would have not done this before. 
but they did something a little bit different. And I like the process of how they got here. Does it pay off in the end? I don't know. But I, I do like that they took a chance on a guy who was cleared of everything off the field. And, and they they went for it. They, they swung here. They don't usually do that. And so just if, almost for that reason alone, I'll give them a good grade. Um, but overall, I'm going to give this an A. Uh, I also concur. I would give it an A here too. Um, this Staley defense, just like bluntly, does not work without a true CB1. Like we could kind of talk ourselves into another year of Michael Davis in that role. We could talk <laughs> ourselves into Charvarius Ward, which I wouldn't have minded if they went in that direction. But to me, sure. they needed a true like alpha corner. They needed a guy who's going to get turnovers. Um, and I don't think it works without it. You know, I think that this Staley defense kind of needs their jalen ramsey uh so to speak and so they got it here we talked about the contract which still seems like kind of a ridiculous steal he's only like the sixth highest paid defensive back in the sport um obviously there were some yeah. off the field questions and why he didn't reset that market but uh for the value the chargers got and just how important he is to this daily defense the fact that he's going to be forcing these turnovers and allows michael davis to kind of take a second you know a secondary role in the secondary to him uh, I think that that's really important. Obviously, they still kind of need more corners. I would like a little bit of depth there. Steven talks about CB4 and free agency. Still wouldn't mind that. Um, but for what JC Jackson is, um, I was really impressed by the signing uh, and think that it's a it's an A. Uh, they, they got their guy in the defense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I agree that this is a great signing, 100%. I still honestly, like, I, I still am just kind of shocked that they did go and make this move, right? Because this is just... A move that we haven't seen the Chargers make ever. You know, I think, you know, Cleo Mack is obviously another one of those things. So um, mm-hmm. great deal all around. Um, all right. Sebastian Joseph Day comes over from the Rams. Three years, $24 million. Uh, come over to uh, replace Linvaugh Joseph or, or Justin Jones, however you kind of want to look at that. Uh, Tyler, what are your uh, – or actually, let's start with Alex on this one. Alex, grade for uh, Sebastian Joseph Day. Uh, a plus. He went to Rutgers. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with a, I kind of range between a B plus and an A minus here. I'll go with a B plus. Uh, I think that it's a really good signing. Uh, whichever role they kind of envision him taking, whether it's more that Linval role, whether it's more that uh, Justin Jones role, I actually don't really think he kind of falls into either one of those categories. I think he's sort of his own thing, but um, you know, obviously was having a great season. Uh, in LA prior to the uh, injury. And I think that, you know, what he's going to bring to this team uh, in terms of, you know, one of the best run stoppers in the league. Uh, and, you know, then they got one of the top 10 also analytically best run stoppers in Austin Johnson next. Uh, it's just such an upgrade over what they had before. Um, and I think that the contract works out pretty well too. Uh, it's a three year, $24 million deal. Um, I, you know, you could debate whether that's a little high or a little low, but to me, that's kind of on the low end, uh, you know, in terms of what the other DTs got on this market. Uh, I guess Okanjobi didn't end up getting that big deal because then he failed his physical, but they were prepared to give him, you know, 10 million per year. So the fact that you got someone like Sebastian Joseph Day for eight, uh, I, I think really does kind of sit well with me. Um, but yeah, no, I'll go B plus for the signing. 100% behind you there. B plus for me as well for all the same reasons. If the Chargers, they again, it depends on who you think he's replacing. I think people are kind of back and forth. If it, is it Joseph? Is it Jones? Regardless, he is significantly better. They, they needed a run stopper. He's the best free agent guy available. 
he's only behind Braden Fajoko of run stop rate in the entire league last year. And so I think going from, I think I have it somewhere, I think Joseph was yeah, 30th in run stop rate. You go to first or you go to second, I should say, in the entire league. I think that's the way to go. I think, as Alex pointed out, you get him for a little bit less than some of the other guys. You know, 10, everyone got, everyone, every defensive tackle seemed to be getting 10. Joseph Day got eight. And I think that's fantastic. If he were completely healthy the entire year and he played the entire year and, you know, there's no, you know, injury concern, he's not coming off an injury, I think it's an A easily. Um, but because there's an injury there, that's it. That's, all, that's really the only reason I'm giving it a B plus. It's just because he didn't finish the season. Well, sort of. Yeah. You know, Sebastian Joseph Day, I think. You know, he was my number one run stuffing defensive tackle target for sure. And the Chargers were able to get him at, at really good value. You know, Fuller runs Ufatu Kasi gets 10 million uh, per year. DJ Jones gets 10 million per year. Sebastian Joseph Day comes in at eight. So um, I think he's going to fill a fantastic role for this team. He's going to play a, a variety of different spots. I do think he does at least start in base downs as kind of that nose tackle player. Um, you know, that's kind of what he did for the Rams for the most part. He does have that versatility to play across the line and play in different spots. So um, I, I think that's kind of where we'll see him start, but uh, not a great pass rusher by any means. So it's hard for me to get to like a true, like a true a um, there is something there. And, you know, I'm going to do a film breakdown here in the next day or so. Uh, it's kind of highlight some of that, but um, he was my number one target in terms of defensive tackles. He was the guy I wanted most to to pair, um, you know, with whoever they get. Just kind of be that run stuffing, solid defensive presence. And I think uh, B plus sounds fair for there. Nice. Look at us. There we go. All right. Next move the Chargers make obviously is uh, Austin Johnson comes in at two years, fourteen million dollars. So uh, Sebastian Joseph Day gets eight. Austin Johnson gets seven. And, uh, you know, this is a really good signing for me as well. So I'll start this one off. I'm going to go with a B here for Austin Johnson. Don't necessarily think he provides the same kind of uh, production as Sebastian Joseph Day. But again, just a really solid player up front that the Chargers needed. And being able to, you know, plug a hole with a player who doesn't necessarily have a crazy high ceiling, but his floor is just mm -hmm. really, really high. So. Uh, really good value. $7 million per year for a defensive tackle is, is very good. Um, I think Justin Jones comes in lower than that for the Chicago Bears as that Larry Ogunjobi replacement. Uh, so J Austin Johnson for me, somebody that I really advocated for tr uh, at the trade deadline, somebody that I wanted on this team just because, again, uh, really, really solid player. So this is uh, gets a solid grade at a B for me. I like it. I will give it a B as well. I think Justin Jones got six per year. Johnson gets seven per year. And for just the low price of a million dollars more per year, you get, you know, you go from 60th and run stop rate to 16th. And you do lose a bit of that pass rush productivity for sure. But again, you get JC Jackson to help with your, your coverage. And then Khalil Mack is your edge rusher. You make up for it in, in that way as well. And yes, Jerry Tillery can sort of rush the passer. So you get, you know, a much better run defender. And you get a very, very healthy player. And the, the Chargers just didn't have that last year in Justin Jones. I think he was he was fine against the run. But the again, I, I think people have this different perception of what Justin Jones was watching him versus what he actually ended up being on the stat sheet. I was so surprised when you put that list together. And Jones was like 80 or 60th or whatever it was in run stop rate. Just like yeah. I was just surprised. So them going to someone who was, you know, I think, 16th if you filter for 100 runs, run snaps. That's fantastic. So super healthy they didn't have that in jones a much better run defender and and just a slight bump down 
in pass rush productivity. Just a slight bump from Justin Jones for only a million dollars more. That's pretty good. The only reason I don't give it a higher one is just because a higher grade is just because it, Arjun seemed to suggest it was a bit expensive for a player like that. Like they could have maybe had him for less. And I kind of buy that. So not a high ceiling player by any means. But like you said, that, that floor is fantastic. So I really like this signing too. Yeah, um, I concur with the B there. Uh, I think that I guess they did overpay a little bit for Austin Johnson, but then they sure. kind of underpaid a little bit for Sebastian Joseph Day, which is what Arjun seemed to insinuate. So I guess that kind of evens out. Um, but no, I mean, they're getting a reliable, a pretty reliable run defender. They're getting, you know, a guy that can just kind of stabilize the middle there. Um, and I did think it was funny that the episode I was off on last week on Wednesday, I saw a comment that did say Tyler said Jerry Tillery can sort of rush the passer, which um, made me laugh. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think that Austin Johnson is just uh, a, a good signing, very much kind of in the vein of a high floor guy that, you know, kind of you they sort of probably knew Justin Jones was walking. So you kind of replace him with and Austin Johnson, um, and I think he'll be solid here. Uh, I have no real concerns with him at all. Um, you know, the, the PFF grades, like, if you're wanting to nitpick, aren't the greatest, but, I mean, shit, he also played on the Giants, uh, and the Giants' defensive line was not anything to write home about last year. Uh, so for me, uh, I will, yeah, I, I concur with the B. I think he'll fit in really nicely with Sebastian Joseph Day, and he's got help on the edges now certainly with Cleo Mack and Joey Bosa. So I'll go B. Yeah, I think that's uh, obviously we're all on the same page. I think he's just, again, just a really solid player, which is better than they have, have been dealing with. And I think him and Sebastian Joseph Day really just give you two players who can, you know, play a variety of roles along the defensive line and be able to uh, play the nose, play the three tech, play the five tech, and, and just have those two quality run stuffers on the field at the same time is uh gonna pay dividends for them so um uh, we went a little longer than on the other conversations uh than i thought we would do we want to grade the tenders and the resigns or, or oh yeah bring it on dude let's do it <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll move on to uh josh harris uh officially the league's highest paid long snapper by like a hundred thousand dollars or whatever the case may be but uh former pro bowl long snapper for the atlanta falcons coming over uh, watch his video introduction today. Just very, very Southern. Seems like a very kind soul guy. Uh, surprised he kind of moved over to Los Angeles. But uh, four-year deal for a long snapper. Tyler, or Alex, let's start with you on this one. Uh, thoughts on the long snapper contract? I mean, I guess that the most, the highest paid long snapper still isn't expensive, um, you know, but... This signing is a little bit weird. I mean, if Ryan Ficken really just wants all of his guys, I'm fine with that, I guess. Uh, and that seems to be kind of what they're doing at the punter spot. Um, and, and they did it with Long Snapper, and they, they made, a, you know, a big play. Um, I can't tell you what goes into analyzing Long Snappers. Uh, you know, I don't think any of us are going to be doing a film breakdown on Josh Harris. But, uh, yeah, it's... It's a good signing. They they have a long snapper. If they feel confident that he can actually play at a Pro Bowl level at long snapping, then fine. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a peculiar signing to me. Uh, but I'm fine if this is how they want to rebuild it. And, you know, he's not particularly expensive still at, you know, one million a year, basically, uh, even if that 
is a bit pricey, I guess, in comparison to Overton and some of the guys that they've had in the past, like Maza. Um, but I'm fine with it. And, you know, <laughs> like James said in the chat, and like I said earlier, they're probably not going to be punting a lot anyway. Uh, so, but then it's like, okay, why would you go get the highest paid long snapper in the league if you're not punting a lot? But uh, I don't know. I feel mixed on this one. C. You know, if you're going to go get a punter, or excuse me, a, a long snapper, you might as well get the highest graded <laughs> long snapper in the league. Sure, According to Pro Football Focus, <laughs> he is at a grade of 83.6, which makes him the highest graded long snapper. Uh, you know, if it prevents, you know, Overton was $990,000, so I think like $400,000 more yeah. to get Josh Harris for a long you know, period of time. If, if, if $400,000 extra means we're not going to have a punt blocked or whatever, and that our kicker is going to transform into young way or something. That's fantastic. <laughs> Josh Harris has 28 career tackles, which is just three fewer than Kenneth Murray had last season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> ow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would also imagine 28 is like three points lower than Jerry Tillery's PFF run defense. grade. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Kenneth Murray and Jerry Tillery always cats and strays. Uh, uh, yeah, when Arjun said that they made him the highest paid long snapper, I was I was kind of taken aback. But um, I mean, Ryan Ficken seems to have his guys and he, you know, he has a vision and we knew that he was going to be uh, involved in the roster process. So I'll give it a C plus. I mean, it's a freaking long snapper. Like the guy seems really cool. And uh it was a need, but, you know, I don't really know. I mean, like, he was a Pro Bowler last year, but he wasn't a Pro Bowler before that. So I'll give it a C-plus just for TBD. Um, all right, we mentioned uh, Gerald Everett earlier. I feel like this is going to be another, you know, kind of higher grade for, for each of us, um, obviously coming over from the Seahawks. I Google says Murray had 31 combined tackles. Wikipedia says Harris has 28. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, all right, Jared Everett coming over from the Seahawks and the Rams. I'm going to give this a B. I'm going to give it a solid B again. I don't think he's necessarily a huge upgrade over Jared Cook, but I do think he's going to bring some stability, a little higher upside, obviously brings the youth, more speed. Um, don't think this is necessarily a transformational signing, uh, but I'll give it a B. Good contract again, $6 million APY. It seems to be really good value, uh, so I'll give it a solid B. Don't know who we're starting with. Okay, it's me. Um, but okay, I'll go a minus. Uh, sort of what Tyler talked about earlier. It's not someone that's like, oh man, this is like a superstar player per se. But the value they got him at, also the value just he brings to the team as someone who can both uh, receive and block. Haven't had a tight end that can do one of those, both of those things in a while as a starter. Um, and so, you know, for me, I, I think that that makes this a good signing. Uh, one of the better yak guys on the team already behind Austin Eckler and, and some of those other guys. So he adds a layer to this offense that I think is just uh, was much needed after the whole Jared Cook experience, uh, which, you know, I'm happy is, is over now. So yes, and you really got him for the same price you got Jared Cook last year. They gave him one year, four and a half guaranteed six million total. Uh, and they kind of have given, you know, uh, they've given Everett the same deal just for two years. He brings stability there. 
you still have flexibility on the roster. You have flexibility in the draft, whatever you want to do with Parham. Um, but this is a guy who's still young uh, and you really upgraded for the same price. So I'm going to give it an A minus. Yeah, I can't wait for the clip outs where I give this a higher grade than a Khalil Mack trade, but I'm going to go with A minus <laughs> for Gerald Everett. Not there because I think he's a better player than Khalil Mack or by any means. He certainly won't move the needle as much, but like all the reasons I said before, good value, a clear upgrade, good contract, A minus for me. There we go. Um, lots of questions, obviously, you know, and we'll, we'll see. I do, I do think the Chargers will make some other moves, obviously, and uh, I'd be pretty surprised if it were a big name. I think it's going to be a lot of value signings, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that one goes. All right. Uh, the Chargers obviously re-signing Dustin Hopkins to a three-year deal. Uh, I forget exactly how much money it was worth, um, but I, I think this is a good signing as well. Tyler, great for the Dustin Hopkins decision. How do I give like an obvious, like it's such an obvious move that they had to make. How do I give that... I mean, an A, I guess. Like, it's the only move they had to make. Like, there wasn't a kicker out there that was better. Uh, I don't know how his contract compares to other kickers, but like, that was their best option. I guess it's an A because you did like, if the question is easy, but you have the right answer, it's an A. So to me, you get an A. There you go. Yeah. Um. I I guess like <laughs> that's where we're at with Dustin Hopkins. Uh, he was really good last year, um, missed a couple field goals, but ultimately was really high in terms of his percentage. Um, the question with him, I guess, is always going to be long distance. But I mean, look, we were having kickers who could not make extra points or field goals from 40 yards for a while. So yeah. I, I, if you miss a 50 yarder once in a while, I'm not going to come too far after you. Um, it's. It's weird to call it a three-year deal. I mean, everybody kind of knows that kickers in this league function from year to year, and I feel like that's the reality with Dustin Hopkins as well, as as much as the Chargers did just extend him. Um, if he starts missing field goals, they'll cut him. If he is making all of his field goals, they'll keep him. Um, and so to me, it's just such a volatile position and, and volatile performance from year to year. But Dustin Hopkins has been one of the more consistent guys at 80 plus percent every year. So I don't foresee those issues with him, but he is also a, a little bit older. So you never know if that, you know, decline could theoretically come. Um, but I'm fine with Dustin Hopkins getting extended, but calling it a three year contract when it's really year to year. Um, I'll eh, be plus. Yeah, I think B is kind of where I land here again, because. Like what, what's the alternative, but also like, I feel like they could do better, but uh, I mean, Hopkins yeah. was 18 for 20 with the chargers and really, you know, if he didn't miss that one against the Raiders, like, you know, we're talking about a 19 for 20 season, like that's freaking amazing for the chargers. Right. So um, I'm a little iffy on the contract being three years, but you know, that probably was his market. And again, you know, this, this was the one guy that Ficken wanted back. So uh, I think we're kind of wait and see in general you know, on special teams. Um, all right, well, we'll speed this up a little bit. Christian Covington, obviously back on a one-year deal. I mentioned him earlier. Um, I think this is fine, depending on what happens after this, because I think that, mm -hmm. you know, right now he is that interior defensive lineman four, like he's going to play, you know, that, those backup level snaps and be a starter if anybody misses games. So I'd like to see them, add another player capable of starting into this rotation, whether that's through the draft or, or maybe through another free agency signing. Um, but as your fourth interior defensive lineman, I think Christian Covington is fine. 
He's going to be super cheap. You know, the, the veteran minimum for him, I think, is like $1.2 million or something like that. Um, and so I, I think this is fine. I'll give it a C plus until I know more. If he really is this the uh, interior defensive lineman four, I'll keep it at a C plus. But if he is the interior defensive lineman five, then I'll probably bump it up to like a B minus. Yeah, I, I think I'll go B minus on this one. Uh, I don't think they're done with the defensive line room yet, uh, whether that's free agency or just adding a guy in the draft. Um, if Christian Covington is your IDL five or six, that is fine. Um, and I think he's very good at what he does. He's also, uh, what what's his exact contract? Has that come out yet? I would imagine it's just a one year, you know, $1 million it's, deal. Yeah, it's most likely the vet minimum, minimum yeah. according to Daniel Popper, which um he thinks is 1.2 based okay. off of his uh accrued seasons but right uh yeah it's not gonna be anything yeah. crazy yeah of course uh so you look yeah i think there was a lot of people caught up in like you know covington being like subpar last year but also covington was asked to like play a lot yeah uh especially down the stretch of the season when like linval joseph was hurt oh this guy's got covid uh, and then suddenly, you know, he was sometimes ideal two or three or sometimes a starter uh, in yeah. some of those games. So, you know, that's really the issue. Uh, I think Covington is serviceable for what he is. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to give it a B minus and you just kind of run it back. He has some familiarity with the system, but I would like to still see them add another guy just so he doesn't necessarily have to have that responsibility and can kind of remain as depth. Yeah, I mean, Justin yeah. Jones was hurt in the first week, so Covington had Jeez. to be a starter right away. Right, yeah. Man, I forgot about that. Uh, C-plus for me, I guess, as long as he's yeah part of that rotation later on, obviously. Uh, I'll feel worse about it if it does knock Fajoko off the roster. Hopefully yes. it doesn't, but there is a chance because their rules are sort of similar now that they can play all over the line. If it knocks Fajoko off the roster... I just don't agree with that. So to me, it's a C-plus for now, but it would get worse if it knocks him off the roster. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to these uh, tender decisions. Uh, Tyler, you've been waiting all day for uh, your chance to give the grade for <laughs> the Chargers' decision to tender to tender Storm Norton, excuse me, for a whopping price of nine hundred thousand dollars. All right, what's your uh, your grade for that decision, Tyler? Just a C, honestly. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, it really just doesn't like it won't matter in the end. I think this is a complete F if he is on the roster and they've done nothing else, unless Pipkins gets hurt or something. But to me, you know, Pipkins is your OT three. Norton is a camp body. It won't matter in the end. It won't count against the cap or whatever. So I'm gonna say C because it shouldn't mean anything. But this has the the chance of going to a Z if he's on the roster as their swing tackle next season. I don't know if I'm going to be that hard on it. Um, you know, he's ultimately making $900,000 C plus. Like, that's fine. Um, it's barely know, better than be... Tyler said. <laughs> I I mean, he's, you know, I, we did watch the Raiders game. Um, so yeah, I'll say that he's going to, yeah, I'll say C plus. He'll look, he'll be OT2, OT3, I should say, behind. Uh, not OT2 isn't starting, hopefully, but I mean, behind the right tackle choice. Uh, so, yeah, I, I and if he has to start because the right tackle gets hurt again, uh, that is one of those things Tyler said that could bump this down to a Z. But I'm comfortable with him, I guess, being the third or fourth guy, you know, depending on how they want to arrange that with Pipkins. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, rough, you know, end of the season for him in particular. 
But, you know, he does have some years in the system and, you know, they brought him back for pretty cheap. He's playing on the minimum, so don't really care. C plus. Yeah, I'm going to go with a C as well. I, I Like, I, I understand the decision. You know, I do think he's probably just a training camp body at this point. Uh, I've said all along the, the likely scenario to me is that they sign somebody and then they draft, you know, the Hymas version of the the tackle group to kind of fill out that room. So I, I get why they would bring him back, at least for training camp and, and be able to have uh, that experience and that relationship with him. Um, I Like I said, I'd, I'd be shocked if he were the starter. And I, I like it just kind of feels like a formality that he's gone. So I, I don't, why would you not just let him walk? I guess. So, uh, give him a C. Um, all right. Much, uh, higher grade for me is going to be the decision to tender Jalen Guyton, the, uh, wide receiver three for four, depending on who you ask, uh, the chargers only speed threat from the last two years, thanks to the other decisions that they made. Uh, but I, I'm okay with them bringing Jalen Guyton back. I do think he is a, a fine receiver. We saw him improve. I felt like this was kind of a no-brainer in that regard because of you know how valuable he is. So I'll give uh, Jalen Guyton the decision to tender him. I'll give it a uh, B minus. I will give it a B minus as well. That sounds about right. At low floor or you know okay floor, low ceiling, but it's so cheap. Might as well. Yeah, I think I'll give him a B on this one. Um, sure. You know, ultimately, I think that it's good. Flexibility from in the receiver room uh, did improve, I think, a lot last year in terms of as a route runner. It wasn't just being used as just this straight goal ball route guy, uh, which, you know, I think kind of does improve what his floor is for this team as a receiver. And also bringing him back at a pretty cheap value doesn't preclude you from taking a wide receiver in the draft or, yeah. you know, signing somebody else. Right. Um, so I, I think that he is just going to be there to be probably your wide receiver four, maybe your wide receiver five, depending on how things shake out. And I'm fine with that. Um, I'll take my grade down to a B minus actually, because he called one of my questions crude in an interview. <laughs> Did he really? I'm, I'm going to bump, I'm going to bump my grade up because he, he got a he plus. Was, yeah, B plus for for being the the fuck best you. Of the <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do think it's fine. Like I, I think he probably ends up being the fifth receiver on the team. Ideally, they they keep six this year, um, and be able to kind of expand that room. But I think he's a, a fine depth receiver. I think he gets too much hate on social media, um, but it, it's all good. So uh, Donald Parham obviously back on a tender deal as well. Uh, officially cleared for all football duties, which was was great news. was was fantastic to hear that one. Um, I disagree with the decision to tender him, though. I would have liked to see mm. him get a you know a stronger deal for his uh, development, and, and you know have them kind of show that that faith in him to give him more than nine hundred thousand dollars or whatever the tender price is for him. Uh, so I, I agree with the decision to bring him back. But I'm gonna give the decision to tender him a C plus as opposed to giving him, you know, a, a maybe like a two year deal or something like that. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Um, at the time, yeah, I would have loved to give him and I think his first deal was for two years. Would have loved another two years. Obviously, now we know that Everett got that two year deal. Just in terms of the ceiling that you have for him, the floor that's there, and how much he's going to likely overperform the nine hundred ninety thousand dollar contract or whatever it is. Uh, I'll say 
a minus. Like I feel good about this because he's a guy who walk in have, you know, 400 yards and half a dozen touchdowns for a very cheap deal and be a really good tight end for this group. So I'm going to give a minus. Yeah, I, I can't really take off points for them using the Urfa rights that they have. I mean, sure. You know, I don't think Tom Telesco is going to voluntarily pay more for players that he knows he could pay less and get sure. away with that have um, you seen chris harris jr <laughs> uh but i mean that's that seems like more of a cpa issue to me than the chargers issue um you know in terms of how much he's getting paid uh but yeah no i i guess there is an argument that like well he'll overperform his deal next year and then be more expensive but at the same time it didn't seem like you know i don't know it I guess that's an interesting thing with how his contract could play out. They could have, I guess, paid him more, extended him this year. But at the same time, I just feel like they kind of have made their commitment to Everett being the tight end one. And they'll see, you know, what Parham kind of becomes during that period, which is, I think, what his role is. But ultimately, if he's your TE2 uh, and, you know, can potentially develop into that, the money you're getting him for is really cheap. So I, w- I would also kind of coincide with the A- minus um but yeah no i i get i get why they didn't extend him but i could also see why steven's disappointed it i just you know they're not going to pay more money than they have to in any individual year especially with how they were spending this year right right totally understand that and uh i just wish they kind of would have expressed a little more faith in him but it's all good you know he's back on the team and he's healthy so that's all we can really uh hope for um yeah, so that's going to do it for us today. I uh, was not expecting that uh, show topics to last almost an hour and a half, but we uh, were able to just keep around 400 pretty consistently throughout the stream. So shout out to all of you guys who have uh, stuck in here for the entire 90 minutes that we've been recording. Um, and so we'll uh, we'll talk about some more free agency stuff if it happens on our next episode. Uh, if not, we're going to dive back into some more of our draft topics. A uh, little, uh, I think there's 48 days until a draft or something like that. So uh, lots of uh, good content coming coming your guys' way. So uh, we'll catch all of you guys next time. As always, if you're listening to this, please leave a rating or a review. If you are watching, please go like and subscribe to the video. Uh, we just barely hit 5,000 subscribers. So make sure you are subscribed for uh, all of the coming months. So uh, that's going to do it for us today, guys. We'll uh, see you next time. Bolt up. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com